Welcome to the refreshing word of Calvary Baptist Church, Accra. And now, the message. I'm glad you're able to join me as we study the word of God. This is Pastor Fred Digby. I bring you greetings from the Calvary Baptist Church. Let us pray. Almighty God, Father of all, our teacher, our redeemer, our maker, and our friend. We come before you today thanking you for yet another opportunity to read and study your word. We know your word is powerful. Your word heals. Your word corrects. Your word is a light unto our path. It seasons us. Therefore, may the preaching, the teaching of your word encourage us to live for you and to be victorious. Draw us to a closer relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. This year, if you've been following us so far, I said we are looking through Luke. We are studying the gospel according to Luke, and we'll see Jesus Christ in action. So far, we've seen his birth. We've seen how he lived simply. Now, beginning to see how he called his disciples and gradually leading them and plunging into ministry. Today, for our text, we'll be looking at Luke chapter 6, from verses 1 to 19. We'll not read all these verses, but we'll expose them as we go along. And for a title, just simply title it, Christ is All-Powerful. Jesus Christ is All-Powerful. In Luke chapter 6, verses 1 to 19, we've seen Jesus gathering his disciples, and that they are now following him. And he is beginning to show to them what his time on earth is all about. He's telling them he has power. Power that's the ability to do things. In this chapter, we see he has power even over the Pharisees and those who criticize him. People who think they know. He shows to them that he knows more than they do. Not to bluff them, but to show that in their way of understanding things, they are misleading others. Of course, he also shows that he has power over sickness and he is able to heal even somebody who has a withered hand. I mean, the person is not able to function with the hand. Jesus is able to heal all kinds of illnesses. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He also shows us that he has power over evil spirits or demons. And this power came from God. As Jesus spent time alone with God in prayer, and tapped into this power. Beloved, Christ is all-powerful. Would we tap into him so that we will know the mind of God, we will know the will of God, and do what God has called us to do. So let's see, from Luke chapter 6, we see the encounter of Jesus with the people who are around him. and see what we can learn from our lesson today. We read in chapter 6, verse 1, on the Sabbath, he passed through the grain fields. His disciples were picking heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands and eating them. Here we introduce to Jesus and his disciples going through, we may call it a wheat field or a corn field. What is important is that the field had food they could eat on the Sabbath day. And perhaps they were hungry and they just went through to go and harvest something. Now, 
as a Jew, he was not even supposed to be going around with his disciples on the Sabbath, but he was going around anyway. So when he was harvesting this, some Pharisees saw him. So why are you doing this? What is not lawful on Sabbath? You see, God instituted Sabbath for people to worship him. And instead of worshiping God, some of the Pharisees had made it so rigid that people actually worshipped the Sabbath more than worshipped God. By that I mean they set up regulations, what you can do and what you cannot do on the Sabbath. So, for instance, it wasn't lawful to go to your farm. It wasn't lawful to harvest corn. The Pharisees complained about Jesus and the disciples that were harvesting on the Sabbath. See, Jews were prohibited from doing this. They could not do this. You cannot show that they are proper Jew by harvesting or doing so many things that the Jewish leaders say you cannot do. And Jesus, knowing who they are and how they got it wrong, decided to show them something or to answer them. See that these are the things you do. You major on minor things. You leave undone the great things that God wants you to do. And you focus on minor, minor things, making everybody feel guilty. So look at how Jesus answered them. In Luke chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, and Jesus answered them, Haven't you read what David and those who were with him did when he was hungry? How he entered the house of God and took and ate the sacred bread, which was not lawful for any but the priest to eat, he even gave some to those who were with him. <laughs> Jesus Christ telling them, Look, in the Old Testament, David ate the showbread. It was reserved for priests only. This simply means that, look, when you are famishing, when you are hungry, when you need food, God understands. David knew the rules, but he was so hungry with his men that he needed to do something. So you, that's what he did. By implication, Jesus is saying, I'm hungry. My people are hungry. You must understand that life is more important than the rules of man. You know, life, you must live. We can go many days without food. We can go many days without water. But we'll be weak and tired. And when he had people following him, they had to eat. So they was eating and they had to find their food. He said, David, your king, did the same thing. I'm in the field. But he even went to the temple and took the bread there and ate it. What do, you, what do you mean? What do you want to say? But then, he was doing all of these things, not to just display power, but to teach us what is really important in this life. Life is more important than the rules of man. You know, sometimes there are rules. Don't do this. Don't touch this. We are eager to do all those things. We are not eager to help human beings who have a need. It's the Sabbath, you are running to church. Or it's a Sunday, you are running to church. You, you want to go to church, and so you will not help anybody. That's how Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan also. Well, verse 5, Jesus tells them, The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. That is, Jesus is the Sabbath, or he's above the Sabbath. He saw what God was doing. He saw what needed to be done. He saw the people 
who were hungry and they had to meet their needs. That is our Jesus. He cares about the poor, the needy, the hungry. And if you are his disciple, hear from him. Now, he's not teaching here lawlessness. He's not teaching us about breaking laws and just endangering your life by disobeying. Just like in this period of coronavirus and all kinds of things are being said by doctors and those who know there are rules that have been set for our guidance, how we are to drive on the roads, the speed limit, and all kinds of laws have been put down for our guidance. This scripture is not teaching that you must be a lawless Christian who decides to do whatever you want to do because Jesus was such a bold person that when his people were hungry, he did what he needed to do. No, there was a deeper lesson he needed these people to know that instead of worshiping the Lord and seeing and doing what God wants you to do, you have just set up these rules. They are so stiff. They are so wooden. They are so impersonal. That even if you see somebody in trouble, you would rather go to church. You would rather worship God than help this person come down to the person's level. Let us not be like that. Let's ask God for wisdom. Let's ask God for his leadership. Let's have the spirit to guide us so that we see that life is more important than the rules of man. He's the Savior, the Lord of the Sabbath. But from there, Luke tells us something else happened. Jesus was somebody who did not only have followers, but he also identified with his people. He would go into the synagogue to go and preach and teach. So from there, we read in Luke chapter 6, verse 6. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. A man was there whose right hand was paralyzed. Here was Jesus teaching. He entered the synagogue. That's where people go to learn and to share ideas. One of the most painful things of recent times has been the coronavirus and its implication for people not being able to go to the house of God to worship. And some have felt it. Some could literally say, look, we miss church, we miss fellowship. Yes, because we are following the example of Jesus. He entered the synagogue and followed the tradition of being with his brethren, they could talk, they could dialogue, they would read the word of God and debate it and teach it and see how it was relevant for their day. That's what he was doing. And as he was there, there was a man with a withered hand. This man had been sick. Whatever happened is one hand was shorter than the other hand. You see, everybody was welcome into the house of God. This man did not make his withered hand, his sickness, a limitation for him. He still knew that no matter how sick he was, it was only God who can help him. And therefore, he was willing to go to the house of God, the withered hand. I know that in our society today, not just in our country, but across the world, sometimes those who have challenges, whether they are visually impaired or physically impaired, People with disabilities are discriminated against by the church, by people, so that they don't feel they belong. Look at the example here. In Jesus' time, there were people like that. But that man felt he could go to the house of God. I don't know if he knew that Jesus was going there that day, 
but it seemed to me he was a worshiper. He just went there to worship. Jesus went there and he was teaching. And the man was there whose hands were withered. But what we read is verse 7. The scribes and Pharisees were watching him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath so that they could find a charge against him. Uh, interesting. They knew Jesus, they knew his reputation. Yes, a man who would take food to eat on the Sabbath day. Yes, a man who is in the synagogue preaching on the Sabbath day. And another person is there with a withered hand. What is he going to do? What would Jesus do? Will he heal that man? Will he touch him? Apparently, the man who was sick came there with a sense of expectation that Jesus would touch him, Jesus would heal him. Remember, we are talking and teaching from the book of Luke, a book written by a doctor who may have had the opportunity to verify all of these things. And we are teaching the message today titled, Christ is All-Powerful. Now look, Jesus looked at this man with a withered hand, and the man with the withered hand looked at Jesus. And we read verses 8 to 10. See what is happening. The Pharisees were watching Jesus, what he was going to do. Verse 8 to 10 reads, But he knew their thoughts and told the man with the withered hand, Get up and stand here. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do what is good or to do what is evil, to save life or to destroy it? After looking around at them all, he told him, stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was restored. Hallelujah. See, Jesus didn't need anybody's approval. He didn't need anybody's permission. As he said elsewhere in the book of John, my father is always working and I do what my father says I should do. So he knew their thoughts because he is God. He's the son of man. He's the son of God. He saw this situation and he knew he could do something about it. So Jesus asked the man to stand and he stood. Obediently stood and expectantly stood. And Jesus asked the man, yes, stretch off your hand. But before then, he asked the people who were there watching him, who had things in their minds, to ask him, what, I mean, to, he asked them whether it was lawful to do good or evil on the Sabbath. What is the Sabbath for? What is the day of rest for? Why do we go to church? Why are we called Christians? Is it to do good or to do evil? I imagine they will always say it is to do good. And what does it mean to do good? Is it just to give an offering or to help the poor, the needy, to pray for them, to pray for the world, for world peace, to work for peace, to stop corruption and immorality, to do all these wrong things? Or being a Christian, being a child of God is just to continue doing evil and evil and evil because you are headed for heaven. Well, they obviously didn't have any answer. Friend, that question Jesus asked, he's asking you and I today, I ask you, is it lawful to do what is good or to do what is evil? Jesus is asking you and I 
Is it lawful to do what is good or to do what is evil? That revenge we are planning, that plan we are hatching, that unforgiveness you are harboring, that evil you are designing, that thing that you want to do as a Christian, Jesus is asking you, is it good to do what is good or to do evil? To save a life or to destroy it, which is good? I'm asking you, and for that matter, Jesus is asking you, to save a life or to destroy it? Well, they didn't give the answer publicly, but they knew the answer. And they knew Jesus was asking them a very serious question. And the answer is simple. It is good and always good to do good. It is bad and always bad to do evil. Yes, Jesus is asking, and the answer is obvious, that it is better to save life than to destroy it. So here is somebody who had been struggling, who could not work with his hand. Jesus was looking at him. Jesus tells the man, stretch forth your hand. And the man stretched forth his hand. Immediately, he was healed. Hallelujah. Lord, grant us the courage in you. Lord, give us that compassion. Lord, give us that insight that we should always do what is right to save lives. No matter what it is, no matter the opposition, to do the right thing, let your anointing fall on your people. There will be tools, will be vessels that you use to bring healing, correction, encouragement. Lord, for people to end their life, livelihood, for widows and orphans, those who are bereaved, whose spouses are gone, who are suffering from corona and all kinds of impairment. Lord, touch and heal this sick world. May somebody hear you today saying, stretch forth your hand. May somebody do something today out of faith, believing that you heard the Lord say, stand up and walk and let your fever be gone. Let your back be healed. Let the cancer be healed. Let that situation be gone. Let this sickness that has even no name be gone because Jesus is the great physician. He's able to heal your body, your soul, and your mind, and your spirit, no matter where that disease or discomfort is lodged. Jesus is able to do something about it. Corona is no match for him. Lord, touch your people. Lord, heal. Provide answers for them. We've heard it. Lord, we've seen it. You know it. There are people who are even so poor that they are not able to even buy face masks. They can't even afford it. They can't afford food. How can this be an answer for them? Lord, have mercy on them, just like you did on that man. Lord, protect your people, defend them, provide for them. Lord, give them shelter. Lord, let these diseases that are just conquering people left and right, Lord, have mercy on your people and show to us that you are the all-conquering God. Forgive us our sins that bring these things on us. Have mercy on us. So Jesus did. He had mercy on that man with a withered hand. He healed him in spite of the Pharisees and the scribes and all those who were watching. But verse 11, tells us the sad thing about human beings. Who are we? Verse 11. They, however, were filled with rage and started discussing with one another what they might do to Jesus. Instead of rejoicing that somebody has been healed, somebody's son healed, somebody's husband healed, somebody 
image restored. These people were filled with anger, were filled with bitterness. When I even said they were filled with jealousy that somebody has been healed and started discussing with one another what they would do to Jesus. Beloved, no matter what you do in this world, people would hate you, but do good anyway. For it is good and always good to do good so that God, God whose work you are doing, will reward you, will award you. Well, Jesus knew, but he didn't stop. Because Jesus healed the man, the Pharisees were looking for ways to seek to destroy Jesus. But that did not stop him. He continued and continued and continued. Because as we can tell, this is just the beginning of his ministry. The disciples were following him. And he, he was just unpacking to them that he is the Lord. He's the Lord who knows people. He's the Lord who can heal. He's the Lord who we must follow. We must be courageous to follow him. He's not the leader of cowards because he's not a coward himself. He's always doing the right thing. But then in verse 12 to 16, we learn something else about Jesus Christ. A very sobering and a very powerful lesson about our master. We're talking today about Jesus being all-powerful. But perhaps what we read next is Jesus' secret power, the secret that he had, the secret that is no longer a secret because he had done it over and over and over again. Luke 6, 12, 13 says, During those days he went out on the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. When daylight came, he summoned his disciples and chose 12 of them. Hmm, beloved, Jesus, the Son of God, challenges my heart and I hope challenges you also. During these days, he went out on the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. After the events of the day, they went home. But it looks as if Jesus got up and he left them and went to a mountain, a secluded place where he was alone, praying to God, asking God for insight, restoring or asking for network, a relationship with his father. He went out to the mountain to pray where nobody could hear him, but God could hear him. Father and son could dialogue, dialogue about things, dialogue about the need for power, the need for prayer, the need for disciples, the need for courage to do the global ministry, never to give up all kinds of topics, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, petition. What type of prayer would you pray all night? I bet you. That would be some type of prayer. When one man prayer with God, he prayed all night with his father. Friends, that challenges you and I to be like the Lord and to see his secret of power. It came from being connected to the father, being connected to his will, speaking to God in prayer. Well, the disciples woke up when daylight came he summoned his disciples and chose 12. He named them and called them, come, let us go and work. So we see that thing clearly. Jesus prays all night before he chooses the disciples. His private prayers were long 
but his public prayers were short. He did his homework. He was anchored with his father in prayer. And then he chose these 12 men to work with him, to carry on the work. He knew their abilities. He knew their limitations. He chose accordingly this team of fishermen who had not gone to school, but who were willing to learn. Somebody say he chose people who were fast, they were faithful, they were available, they were submissive, they were teachable, fast people to follow him. And he chose them and they followed him. No matter what their qualifications were, one thing was sure, because he had prayed for them and chosen them, he was going to work with them, coach them, and transform them, and do all the things that he wanted to do in front of them so that they could carry on with his ministry. Well, with the people around him then, his popularity increased. Not a magical increase, but ministry increase and expansion. So read from verses 17 to 19. After coming down with them, he stood on a level place with a large crowd of his disciples and a great number of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. They came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those tormented by unclean spirits were made well. The whole crowd was trying to touch him because power was coming out from him and healing them all. Let me read verse 19 again. The whole crowd was trying to touch him because power was coming out from him and healing them all. Yes, Jesus proved that he's all-powerful. He had a teaching ministry. He had a healing ministry. He had a ministry of compassion. And the ministry made an impact. And his disciples were there watching him, watching him, and learning from him, imbibing what he was doing. And whether they were confused or not, they saw what their master was doing. Because later on, they themselves did as well. And there was nothing that was powerful to stop Jesus. Verse 18 said, they came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those tormented by unclean spirits were made well. Yes, friend, no matter what your ailment is, no matter what challenge it is, whatever name they, are, they, they call it, they, they, they can call it arthritis, they can call it cancer, they can call it back pain, they can call it some long unpronounceable names, they can call it coronavirus, they can call it jaundice, they can call it kidney failure, whatever it is, may the power of Jesus be available. As we are speaking and you are listening to him now, his power is available to touch you. Tap into that. Tap into that. Say, Lord, I just imagine that you, and I know that you are here with me because your word tells me, unlike those by the seaside, you have said in your word that I'm with you always, even up to the end of the age. So I believe you are here. You are here. You are here spiritually. You are here physically. You are here with me. And I need help. Help for my situation. Help for my emotion. Help for my financial situation. Help for my mental situation. Help for my marriage. Help for my children. Help for my job. Help for my future. Any type of help, Lord, I submit it to you. Now, Lord, is able to work with you. My dear listening friend, this Jesus did not only have this power, but he gave this power to his disciples to continue his work. And we have to continue doing his work 
And as the disciples saw, later on when they were ministering, they saw Jesus blessing their ministry. You read from example, Mark 16, 20. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word by their accompanying signs. Yes, that's the mark of the disciple. The Christ who has all power displayed, showed it for his servants to see. And by extension, that power is available for you and I to use in his name so that people can be delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. He was doing all of this not for sure, but to bring people to worship him as Lord and Savior. That should be your motivation. And that should be the prayer topic. And that should be the desire. And I tell you, for Dr. Luke, he was impressed. And the Lord will be impressed if you are not only a listener, but a follower and an imitator of Jesus. Go out boldly in his name. Say something in his name. Preach in his name. Teach in his name. Pray for someone in his name. This week will be a great week in your life. Stay connected with him. Until next week, this is Pastor Fred David saying, God bless you. Shalom. Amen. This has been the radio broadcast by Calvary Baptist Church with Reverend Dr. Fred Digby, our senior pastor. We hope this message blessed you. Be sure to join us, God willing, next week, the same time and station. We are in Adabraka, opposite Mr. Big's restaurant, near the Kwame Nkrumah Interchange. Also in Shiashi, across the motorway from the Accra Mall and Botiano. Call us on 0243 or 0302-231-854. Contact us on WhatsApp that 0200-181-680. Visit us online at www.calvarybaptistgh.org. Write to us, Calvary Baptist Ghana at yahoo.com.